Okay. Yay. Some solutions. Are you ready? Yes. Fantastic. By the way, I just want to honour Nathan and his team for hosting us today and Very last well, night. It's you. been fantastic to come up this far north. I've never been up this far before um, to a place that has so much history, but also to hear about what God's doing amongst your communities. And just want to encourage you to go, keep going, go hard, <laughs> give it all you've got. There are people that need the church to move forward without holding back. So such an honour and a privilege to be here with you. Rosalind was a woman who I met after a service one day when I called for prayer and she came up to the front. She said, Tanya, can you please pray for me? I can't hear God's voice. I said, sure, no worries. I can do that. But before we do, is there anything that God might already be saying to you? Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, uh, about a couple months ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I heard a voice. And the voice said, eat more vegetables. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. What do we have here? And then I had a brainwave. Um, how's your health going at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's really bad. You know, I got I had so many problems. I've been to the doctor about this and about this and about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not great. Okay. Um, so, do you think the voice in the dream was from God? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. So, have you been eating more vegetables? <laughs> You know, broccoli and carrot. Ugh, yeah, I know. It's, it's really hard. I know. I know. It's hard to change your diet. Yeah, I said, but I'm not praying for you to hear God's voice. You already have. Now go and eat more vegetables. <laughs> and sent her on her way. <laughs> and I thought about that moment for a long time afterwards and I began to realise that there are a lot of Roslyn's in our churches. And they say things like, I can't hear God's voice. But the truth is, they already have. They just haven't recognised it. And then my next question was, well, why haven't they recognised it? Why did Roslyn recognise it in that moment? Well, it was because I asked. It's because we had a conversation it's because we talked about it and together we were able to identify that, yeah, I, you know, I guess Holy Spirit would speak about something that would bring physical well-being to me. And then my next question was, well, why is she having this conversation with me? I, I'm a stranger. I'm a guest preacher passing through. I'm never going to see her again. And for her in that moment what it meant to hear God's voice and to follow was the essence of discipleship. For her right then, Jesus was speaking through the Spirit as his continuing voice saying, Call, follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to deny yourself. 
and I want you to learn what it is to have life abundant. But this conversation shouldn't take place between a stranger and the, this woman. It should take place within the life of the church with people who could talk with Rosalind and say, yeah, is that the kind of thing Jesus would say? Does, did Jesus come to give life to the full? And, yeah, you know, it sounds like God, but it's hard sometimes to eat vegetables. It's hard to change your life, to repent, using the old-fashioned word, to turn around and do things differently. It's hard. So how can I help you follow? Because following Jesus can be tough sometimes. The Holy Spirit may say, eat vegetables when I want to eat steak with Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> and that's some of that local produce. <laughs> I don't want to eat broccoli and carrots. Are you kidding me? This is hard. I don't want to do that. And so in those moments, we need the church. We need brothers and sisters to link arms with us and say, let me help you be a disciple of Jesus. How are you going with those vegetables? Here are some recipes to help you. How can I hold you accountable? Because this is what it means to follow Jesus. And also, this is what it means not to have Rosalind come up the front every week praying for, asking for prayer for healing, right? This is about her taking responsibility about following Jesus for her own life. And the truth is, if it is true that Jesus said, my, my words are spirit and they are life, then those words have the power to transform Rosalind and make her into a new creation. Those words have the power to mobilise her into ministry and mission so that she can bless others. And this is, after all, the essence of discipleship. This is the goal of the church. Jesus said, make disciples. Go into all the world and teach people what I have said. And we do that via the Spirit. So what is the goal? What is the church who hears God's voice? The church who hears God's voice is one where people are being led by the Spirit into a closer walk with God. They are becoming disciples, being formed into his image, being led by the Spirit. The church is also the place where we learn to discern and follow God's voice. Do you know that you don't need the church to hear God's voice? You don't. I was talking to one of the Elam missionaries down south the other day and he was telling me his story about how he had a dream and he saw a man in the dream that he'd never seen before and he was a Muslim at the time. But he had no idea what this man was and the next day he met a man. He met the man in the dream and this man was a, a missionary and he began to show him the ways of Jesus and that initiated a journey where he became a Christian. He was hearing the voice of God as a Muslim <laughs> before he even stepped into the four walls of a church because the Spirit speaks to us wherever we go. We don't really need the church to hear God's voice, although often God does speak in church, obviously. But we do need the church to recognise it because the truth is that we can get it wrong. And the biggest issue of hearing what we want to hear and seeing what we want to see. We hear God's voice through the filter of our own mindsets, our, our desires and our sin. 
And so therefore, it becomes really important that the church is a place where together we can discern what God is saying. I think Holy Spirit is telling me to eat more vegetables. What do you think? And see, the church, the inner circle, the friends and family who know us is then able to say, yeah, I think that sounds like God because you've got some serious problems with your health and that makes sense. People who love us and know us, who can offer an angle, a perspective on what we're hearing. There's safety in the body of Christ. There's accountability there because we can get it wrong. And you and I both know that's one of the biggest issues, isn't it? People who get it wrong. People who say things just because they want it for themselves. I remember I used to teach at Hillsong College many years ago and we would often get students come and they would say, oh, God's told me that I'm going to marry Joel Houston. <laughs> He'd have at least 300 wives by now if that were the case. <laughs> we need each other to discern God's voice. And we see that pattern in the early church. A good example is the Jerusalem Council where they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So that is the goal, where the Spirit is speaking. But what is the strategy? This is the question I looked at in my PhD thesis. I looked at three different churches and I was interested to see how do we build the church who hears God's voice? Church A, Church B and Church C. All Pentecostal churches all said, yep, we believe in the Spirit. We, we want the work of the Spirit, absolutely. We want people to hear God's voice and follow. However, they weren't all producing the same results. Church A was most effective. When I spent time, three months in that church, and I listened to the conversations, people were hearing from God regularly. And by and large, they were following, and there were miracles that followed. The stories I mentioned earlier all came from that one church. But then there was Church B, and um, Church B was doing a good job, but it tended to be that the older generation were hearing God's voice, but the younger generation were not. They hadn't really experienced the Spirit. Church C was different again. There were just pockets of people who were hearing God, but by and large, this was an unknown area, lots of questions, lots of confusion. And then I realised that just because you believe something to be true doesn't make it so that there were things Church A was doing that Church B and C were not. And that there are some things humanly we can do. See, we can't make God speak and we can't make people listen. But what we can do is to create the conditions around that, that facilitate that. I love the imagery the Apostle Paul uses. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Yeah. So we can create the human conditions. We can think about what we do. You know, when I was listening to those stories of hearing God's voice in my thesis and as I've listened to the stories as I've travelled, I had this moment listening to them and thinking, the Spirit was doing the work. The Spirit was healing. The Spirit was converting, releasing, mobilising, motivating, pushing people out into ministry. The Spirit was doing it. One word from God was changing everything. 
And then I thought, well, that changes our role as pastors and leaders. I become a facilitator of the Spirit. If I could just connect people to the Spirit, the Spirit will do the work. Then that puts into perspective all of the hard work I do. So all of the organising for a Sunday service, all of the sermon preparation, all the Bible study prep, all the organising of programs and outreaches and visits and everything I do serves the purpose of the Spirit working to create disciples. I facilitate that. I support that. I don't replace it, but I serve that. Holy Spirit, I want you to work. I'm going to plant the seed. I'm going to create the conditions. I'm going to prepare the soil. I'm going to create an atmosphere in church. I'm going to teach. I'm going to have an expectation. I'm going to help people to follow. I'm going to do everything I can in my human power to enable the Spirit to be at work. So I've got a couple of strategies for you. We'll see how far we get. We may not get too far before the time runs out. But the first one is the most important, I believe, and that is to be a spirit-led disciple ourselves. The way that we can best help people to listen to the spirit is to first be people who listen to the spirit and follow. We can't underestimate, we can't overestimate this. I can't reproduce after myself something that I'm not doing myself. See, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That means that I go first in this process. I go first in listening to the Spirit, discerning it and doing it over and over and over again. Listening to the Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? Is it God? I'm testing it in community. And then I'm following. I'm laying my life down in obedience because experiential knowledge, knowledge of God, yada, comes in living it out. It doesn't come in knowing it in my head. It comes in living it and acting in accordance with it. And this is hard. This is hard. I remember not that long ago, a few years ago, I was studying my PhD and I was visiting my mum who lives interstate. I was there because I was doing a, a subject intensive. And during the time I was with my mum, I said some really mean words and made her cry. It was nasty and mean to my mum. And I remember in that moment just feeling the conviction of Holy Spirit. Learn to love your mother. Learn to love your mother. And I realised in that moment that everything else I was doing, all the many, many years of theological study, a PhD, all the ministry I'd done, all the skills I had developed, came to nothing unless I listened to the Spirit, discerned it and followed. So I rang up my friend. I confessed my sin. It was horrible. I felt so embarrassed. I felt... So ashamed, my friend who's very close to me, she was once my student and I was meant to be the holy pastor. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I've got to confess. Her response was incredibly gracious. She said, it's okay. God loves you. Let me help you do better. Let me help you follow. 
and she did. She had done a great job loving her mother and she started to show me how to do it and we worked out ways how to love my mum and how my mum was best loved and how I could learn some things in my heart and she practically helped me because this wasn't easy for me. There was history there in our family and I had to deal with some of the roots of that as I went on that journey. And over time, I've learnt to love my mother and we have a great relationship now. It's easy for me. I've been set free some of the baggage that I had carried before. See, this is discipleship. And it's the way that I teach people to follow Christ. I can't do that. I can't teach others unless I myself am listening to the Spirit. This is what leadership means. It's not about a skill. It's not about knowledge. It's not about how clever I am or how holy I am. It's, well, it is how holy I am because this is what holiness is, actually. What is the Spirit saying to me? How am I following? A second strategy for building the church that hear God's voice is teach a shared theology. And we mentioned this a little bit earlier before. It's so important to teach people. Primarily, don't worry about the points up there, it's a bit too much at the moment, but primarily about what the character and nature of God is like in Jesus. Spirit sounds like Jesus. I've got to establish those foundations. It's really important that people don't step out of what God is like. So then we get wacky, weird stuff coming out. Our grounding has to be in the life of Jesus. You know, I remember going into a church um, that was very broken and I remember thinking it's unsafe to teach people about how to hear the Spirit. There's not a good grounding for what God is like as yet. So we've got to keep reminding people about who Jesus is. The third one is to identify and mobilise the prophetically gifted. I've said before that there's universal access to the work of the Spirit in the pouring out that came at Pentecost. Sons and daughters, young and old, having dreams and visions, the primary vehicle in Scripture of hearing God's voice and then prophesying, speaking it out, living according to it, and if it's for somebody else, passing it on. But there are definitely levels of gifting. There are people in our churches who are really good at this. But we need to train them. We need to help them. It's a gift like any gift. It needs to be stewarded. And there are ways that we can do that, that we can identify and train those people and encourage them to use their gifting to equip others. I remember a lady came to me once in a service and as often happens, she came up to me, she said, Tanya, I can't hear God's voice. Can you please pray for me? I can't tell you how common that is. I said, sure, and I began to pray for her and as I did, I saw money bags. And so I began to pray, God, help her with her money, help her to make good decisions about her money. Simple, very very easy and simple. When she came up to me after and she said, Tanya, I can't believe it. I heard God's voice. <laughs> she said, just this week, my husband and I came into a large sum of money and we thought that God was speaking to us about how we could spend it. And it's just like you said when you prayed. I heard God's voice. See, the joy in that moment was the fact that she was connecting directly to God. And she was starting to get the confidence to hear from the Spirit and then being able to follow it. And I could give the periscope back.
That's what we want to be able to do. Help people identify. This is our role. Just recently chatting with a young man and he had only been a Christian for three months. And we were talking about this and what does God sound like and how do you know it's God? And, and he said, you know, it's funny, just this week I, I was with a group of friends and we were just chatting about normal stuff and suddenly I just felt really uncomfortable. Just felt, oh, just icky. And I felt like I should walk away. And he said, but the funny thing is that normally... That never happens. See, his friends were talking about all sorts of stuff that wasn't helpful. And before he became a Christian, that was fine. But suddenly, I said, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what God sounds like. See, Holy Spirit is teaching you to think about whatever is true and noble and lovely. Teaching you to, to, to renew your mind. That's, that is the Holy Spirit. That's what God sounds like but it's in the community of God's people that we work that out. So a big part of that is intentionally helping people to identify the spirit. And we do that largely through conversation. We do that through talking about it. This was the main feature I saw in Church A. That kind of conversation was present in the public service. People talked about the spirit. They had corporate prophecy. They had testimonies where people described what the spirit was saying to them. And then because of that, they were modeling language. And what we've done as a ministry to, to try and help churches is to identify some language about how we can have a vehicle of conversation because Holy Spirit is already speaking to people. You can be sure of that. People, people are hearing it, but they're not recognising it. And the reason they're not recognising it is because they're not talking about it because no one is asking. So what we want to do is to frame our discipleship around these kinds of questions, and these have been developed in very intentional ways. What do you think Holy Spirit is saying? Because discernment is a process. You know, sometimes you get the great stories. God spoke to me and I saw a banker's home and then there was a periscope and, oh, my gosh, I woke up, I thought, that's the Lord, you know. Or I saw an angel and it appeared and I was left with a halo as I woke up and there were sparkles everywhere and I knew that it was God. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but it's not always like that. And I would say perhaps it's not hardly ever like that. <laughs> Most of the time we're working it out. What do you think Holy Spirit is saying? It's an invitation to reflect and most times... When people are asked that question, there's something going on by the Spirit. How do you know it's God? Because let's test it. There's a testing process involved. John says, test the spirits to see if they're from God. The Apostle Paul says we don't see clearly. It's like a fuzzy mirror. <laughs> so we have to test it together. Do you think it's God? People say, oh, if someone comes up to me and says, God told me, I, what am I supposed to do with that? Who am I to argue with God? Well, actually, there is a response, and the response is, well, how do you know God told you? Let's talk about that. But we need to build a culture 
around that in our churches. It's, a, it's the confidence to know that we can get it right. We have the spirit plus the humility to know we can get it wrong. And that's something we cultivate, often through language. How do you know it's God? And then that final question of discipleship, how can I help you follow? How can I help you follow? Banding together the church of God, strengthening each other so that we can walk in the ways of Jesus. So we're going to practice that right now, just for a very short time ourselves. We can't lead others until we ourselves can be led by the Spirit. So I'm going to invite you in just a moment to break into groups of two or maybe three. And I want you to think about these questions for your own life and to ask them of each other. What do you think the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about right now? (coughs) And obviously this requires trust. So there's no pressure to share that. I encourage you to sit with someone perhaps that you know that you can trust. What do you think the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Because as I have shared, sometimes Holy Spirit speaking things about things that are very personal to us. How do you know it's God? Does it sound like something Jesus would say? And then finally, how can I help you follow? And I invite you to pray for the other person as we think about both practical ways. How can I help you follow? How can I hold you accountable, perhaps? Or how can I check in with you? How can I support you in the process of becoming like Jesus? So we're going to do that, and then we'll come back together for the last few minutes to close off. All right. Why don't we come back together again? Let's amen our prayers and um, just join together as we close. <laughs> Come on back. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Just want to honor the time I've been given. How did you go? Yeah? Good? It's a good conversation, isn't it? What do you think the spirit is saying? helps us to identify what God is doing. How are we going, that group over there? No, (laughs) I feel bad. Oh, dear. I want to encourage you in your leadership, um, in your church capacity to just continue to help (coughs) being the people who facilitate the Holy Spirit among us. (laughs) You're the super spiritual group, I can see that. Oh, dear. I love how that question leads into prayer. Of course. Doesn't it? And it leads to opening up of hearts. And then once, when you um, begin to ask that question more, it's so wonderful to see what God is doing in people's hearts and lives. It kind of cuts to the chase, doesn't it? The core of discipleship. I want to thank you for um, coming today, for taking time out on your weekend to, to really give time to this. I really appreciate that and I know that God sees your heart and your sacrifice and I believe that God will bless you for it. You know, um, when I first started the ministry of God Conversations, typically what the ministry would do is we'd go into a church or a setting and we'd conduct a a half-day seminar 
and um, people would come along, usually about 20% of the church, just to, you know, those are the ones who were willing to give their time. And we would teach people how to hear the voice of God. And it was always exciting and inspiring and people would hear God's voice and and be motivated by that. And then I'd go on the Sunday and we'd preach and have a great time in church. But then I would leave the churches and I would think about this question, you know, we had a great time, would but would people still be hearing from God 12 months later? And I realised, and even then throughout my reflection in my PhD studies, that a one-off event, and no matter how good it is, isn't inspiring or um, doesn't sustain a culture. This group over here, I think, was talking about building safe cultures. It's a culture, it's an atmosphere, it's a way of doing things, and it's a way of bringing things into the life of the community. And the church becomes the vehicle through which we hear God's voice in an ongoing way. So we developed uh, a tool called 50 Days of God Conversations. And what it is, is something I would like to present to you as a resource. If you know of churches and may be interested in really pursuing more of the spirit, Basically, it's taking seven weeks out of a church calendar and devoting it to this topic. And at the core of it is just giving people that language to ask those questions and to, to teach solidly about what God's voice sounds like and how to discern it. You know, I often think about us as Pentecostals and we're so gung-ho and we say, you can hear the voice of God and we get people filled with the Spirit. But um, we don't always train them to discern it. And we end up with a whole lot of problems because I think that, you know, teaching people that they can hear the voice of God without training them to discern it, it's a bit like giving a toddler a loaded gun. It's really powerful, but it's also really dangerous. So there are things that we can do to help that. So 50 Days of God Conversations basically takes your small groups through some small group material. It has a Sunday service focus so that every one of those seven weeks is on hearing the voice of God and then it's opportunity to train up the prophetically gifted in a way that then can be delivered on a Sunday morning without too much crazy stuff happening. So um, I've got a little piece of paper here as an expression of interest and if you are from a church, I know that... Um, Nathan represents New City, New Springs here, so it's in his hands. But pop your name and your email address around and we can send you some information about that. And the other thing is, just want to mention, um, I'll give you one of these as well, it's just a card with our website address on, godconversations.com, has a huge raft of resources like podcasts and articles and videos and they're all designed to help everyday people hear God's voice for themselves and so I encourage you to avail yourself of that most of them are free so let me pass this around um, write your name and your email address in your church on there if you think your church is interested we'll follow up with some more information and I'm also going to give you a card as well just to take home but let me thank you let me just pray and seal what God has done today and um, yeah as I said before it's just been an honor to spend this time with you. Father, thank you that you are a good God, that the God in Jesus is magnificent and beautiful and knowable and personable and powerful. And Father, we thank you for the revelation of your spirit yes, given to each one of us that prizes us, values us, esteems us in your kingdom, that we can be your hands and feet. 
Father, that we have the privilege of serving others in leadership and facilitating the work of your spirit, of making spirit-led disciples. And Father, as we go on our way today, we pray that you would continue to give us wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. Father, that we may lead your church better. And God, we continue just to keep our hearts open to listening to what your spirit is saying and doing. In Jesus' name, amen.